Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. Like, there weren't sugar plums and like gingerbread men and all those stories of yore bouncing in my head. I had one thing bouncing through my little mind. Star Wars. All I wanted for Christmas was Star Wars. And this was, if you didn't know the time of this era, let me explain to you why this is one of the greatest generations of all time in kiddom. The 80s arguably had the greatest toys of all time. And they linked this crazy new thing of let's make a movie and have all these toys accompany it and cartoons. And so we had some of the coolest toys of our time because we didn't have technology. We actually played with friends. So <laughs> I could not wait for Christmas. And I had no Star Wars toys. I had nothing at that time. And I grew up poor. We didn't have a lot of money back in my day. And I didn't know how much Star Wars cost. And I look back now, Star Wars stuff cost a lot of money, and especially the ships. Now, the ships, if you're into the Star Wars land, there's so many different things, and they marketed so many. And I wanted, with my whole, I wanted a ship, and I wanted some guys to fly that ship. And I would just dream and dream and dream about it. So if you are a kid right now dreaming about Christmas, what it's going to be like, what's going to happen, I totally understand. And if you're a teenager and you're too cool to admit how excited you are, I totally understand. But let's just face it, there's something exciting about Christmas. And in my little five-year-old mind, this Christmas day was going to be the greatest day of my life. And so in my dreams, I was saving Princess Leia. I had a crush at the age of five. And in my dreams, I flew ships and I had lightsabers and bad guys feared me. And if I could just get these toys, I had the opportunity to make it all happen every single day of my life, reenact all these stories and play. And so I waited. But I also knew that'd be a big sacrifice for my family. And I know many of you have seen the movie, The Christmas Story with Ralphie and his Red Ryder BB gun. If you haven't seen that movie, it's on 24 hours a day on Christmas Eve. You should check it out. But if you haven't seen it, let me give you a recap. There's a young boy whose whole life is obsessed with getting this Red Rider BB gun, and he dreams, and he has all these stories about this Red Rider BB gun. At the end of the story, you see he gets the BB gun. Spoiler alert, haven't seen it, too bad. He gets the gun, <laughs> and he sleeps with the gun. It's his most prized possession of all time. That was how obsessed I was about it. I just want to get you into my little mind for a second. So the day came. I don't remember sleeping at all. And I, that sleeplessness, like, you know, you just rustle back and forth and like you sleep five minutes, like, is it Christmas? Is it Christmas? Is it Christmas? Right? And then you get up at like way too early and you're like, mom, dad, it's Christmas. They're like, go to bed. It's too early. Um, and so I remember opening the gifts and just ripping one after another. Now, in my family, socks was a gift. Underwear was a gift. Pajamas was a gift. Okay, so I was opening socks, not good. And you know how you'd squeeze to see if it's squishy? Did it clink? Did it shimmy? Like, you could know what's in there, right? So I'm ripping, 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 nothing, 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 nothing. And I'm like, my heart was just starting to sink. Because all I wanted for Christmas was Star Wars. 
And at the end of this, there was a box that I wasn't allowed to touch that I was able to open. And just like Ralphie in the Christmas story, I got this box and my hands were shaking. I was so excited. I don't know if you've ever had that kind of excitement about anything in your life before, but I still, in my lip, five, I was five years old. And I can remember the anticipation of ripping the paper open, and there it was, an X-Wing fighter, 1981. That was not my box, but that's exactly what it looked like. And I ripped open the box. Had I known it'd be worth like $10,000, now I would have saved the box, but I didn't. I ripped that thing open. I pulled it out. And my mom and dad are like, Jason, slow down. There's lots of pieces. There's stickers. I'm like, oh, I don't care. And I rip this thing open. I get this thing out. And I am Luke Skywalker. And I'm just flying all around like the anticipation of all this moment came. And I really had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> really bad. So I, I, I'm like, I got to go to the bathroom. And I did not want to put my toy down. And my mom's like, you're not taking that to the bathroom. So I'm like, okay, and I put it down. And I get this warning, Jason, don't just put your X-Wing. There's, there's paper everywhere. I'm like, I'm fine. I put it down. I go in to use the restroom. I come back looking for it, and then crack. Pull my foot back to see my X-Wing fighter cracked on the ground. Exactly. <laughs> my parents had warned me. And my heart was broken. I looked down to find the cockpit is broken off. The side panel is cracked off. And I just wept. All of my joys, all of my anticipation, all of that excitement, all the adrenaline a little five-year-old can just pump into the little body, broken. I sat there staring at it, crying. And then my parents spoke. We told you not to put it on the ground. We told you there was paper everywhere. Why'd you put it on the ground? And it was all good words. It was truth. But in my little heart, like all of my dreams have been destroyed. All of my hopes, my entire Christmas ruined. I'm left with socks and underwear. I picked up my toy. My dad said, I'll take care of it. He went out and got the super glue. Now, I didn't know what super glue was. I didn't know a thing exact. Five years old. And he took the cockpit and he carefully glued it right back into place. And he placed it in there. And he fixed these broken components so that was whole. And I still have this X-Wing to that day with the glue from that time. I still remember the story of how my X-Wing was broken at the age of five. And when I see that, I remember the dreams and the hopes that were dashed in my father who came said, I've got super glue. I can fix it. And we've all been there, haven't we? Like at some point in our life, you've had dreams, hopes, excitement dashed. At the highest of high come the lowest of lows. From that pinnacle, that mountaintop experience where you just think everything is right with the world. And then it drops out. And we go around this room and start telling stories. There'd be so many stories of, yeah, I did have hopes. I did have expectations. Yes, I did have a high point that went to a low point. Yes, I loved someone who broke my heart. Yes, I believed, and they let me down. And these pains over time, whether they're X-wing fighters, 
things from your past, hopes, dreams, these things start to jade us. And we use the word you become calloused, hard. That over time, there's only so many times something gets broken where you stop feeling. It's not important to you anymore. These times can be seen in the classic story with Ebenezer Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge, a Christmas carol. You've heard it. You've seen it. A heartless man who doesn't care about anything around the people around him. He doesn't care. He has no regard for the people who are in need. He has no regard for anyone but himself. And I think in the Christmas carol, one of the lowest points of low points is when he won't even use a lump of coal to warm up his office. I mean, that's just cold and pun intended. So he is just a cold, heartless man. And we start to find out in backstories up here of his terrible, hard childhood where he was left alone and how Christmas is a painful time. Then we think of the story, The Grinch, in the movie version of The Grinch. We see a backstory of The Grinch, and it's kind of funny to see this story of him growing up, and he's in this classroom, and he thinks it's a really good idea to shave for the girl that he likes. And he shaves, and he cuts up his face, and everybody's making fun of him. And he screams at the end of it, I hate Christmas, and becomes jaded. And then he goes on to this tirade of making everybody's life miserable. No one will be happy if he's not happy. Happens to us. And maybe not to the extreme of the Grinch or to the extreme of Ebenezer, but if you're honest with yourself, there are things that have been broken in you that you've become jaded to. Cold. Something that says, I'm not going to be hurt again by somebody else. And today we're going to explore something maybe totally different than you thought of. Like, you're like, this is the worst pre-Christmas message ever given. But I want to explore something at Christmas. Because in a few days, we're going to celebrate the coming of Jesus into the world. And rightfully so, we're going to celebrate. But have you ever thought about this? That when he came, how many implications were on the line? How many things that Jesus did as a babe born in a manger? That when he came, he gave us right standing with God. He died in our place. He gave us a hope. He gave us a purpose. He gave us all these new way of living. He offers a life that if we want to actually have this life, we can put down our old way to pick up a new way, it tells us. But have you ever thought that at Christmas time, this baby in the major is coming to give you healing from pain? Because Christmas time brings pain. Maybe not for you. Maybe you're celebrating this season, but the person next to you might not be. That in this Christmas season, we all have all of these different feelings and thoughts. We think of Christmas's past of great celebrations, and then we think of broken X-wings. We think of times that weren't so great. You think of people lost. You think of people hurting you. And all of these things can start to callous us. I know because I've become one of those people over the years that I've had so much pain at this time of the season, my heart was becoming cold and hard like the Grinch. I'm glad to say that my heart grew five times that day. But what does it look like when Jesus says, I have something for you that can actually heal you? That Jesus coming right now, our celebration, that we can think that Jesus is the glue that fixes our broken lives. I'm going to go to Luke chapter 14, 4, 14 through 19, if you guys have your Bibles or apps. There's Bibles underneath the chairs if you'd like to use those. 
Um, we also will have it up on the slide. But I would encourage you, when we go into these uh, passages, I really want you to read this for yourself, too. Like, I know we have it up on the slides, and you can read it. That's great. But I want to encourage you, maybe I'm making all of this up. And I want you to read the words for yourself on that paper if you choose. Now, these are up on the slides. You can read it here. But engage the Word of God, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week. This book is our guide for life. And I encourage you to touch. The pages are thin, but you can turn them carefully. They're a wonderful book. I encourage you to read it. Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 19. It says this, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the, roll, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. Now, by the way, this is how they did church back then. Okay? They'd come together in the synagogue. They would honor someone with the reading of the word of God, the scrolls of the prophets, the scrolls of the Torah, of the first five books of the Bible, and they would read from it. So Jesus was given this honor. He gets up and he reads this passage. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, the recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Nice message. He's talking about himself. And as we read on in this story here, people are not real excited that he's proclaiming himself to be the one that's spoken of in Isaiah. In Isaiah, he keeps prophesying or telling the story that one is going to come to save the entire world. This Messiah is going to do amazing, miraculous things for all of humanity. God, through the prophet Isaiah, was saying, just wait, one is coming. And so Jesus gets up and he reads this and he's like, this is me. They weren't happy about that because they didn't believe him. Now, when we read this passage in the, in the confines of knowing who Jesus is, you're like, oh, yeah, that sounds like who Jesus is. He sets prisoners free, sight for the blind. You know, we, we understand that because we sing songs about it. But they had never seen anybody say, this is me. And so in his early teaching and ministry, he's making it clear, I am the Messiah, the one who's come to save the world. When we think of Christmas time, and we think about all the stories that were there of shepherds and angels and magi and kings, and all this story was going on. Everyone's real excited, but they seem to have forgotten in 30 years who this one was. Because here he is in his ministry, approximately the age of 30 or so, saying, this is the one I'm speaking of, and I want to share something with you about the ministry that he is bringing. I've got something special for you. And this is what he's saying. First of all, he's proclaiming good news to the poor. Now, what is this good news to the poor? It all depends because we all have different backgrounds and ideas of Jesus and the stories that you heard in Sunday school to maybe this is the first time you ever heard anything about Jesus. But he, he has this story here. I want to make it clear who I am. I've come to bring good news to the poor. If you're rich here this morning, you're like, what about me? And to the, to the readers, to the people of that time, why was Jesus so fixated on the poor? And when you read through the scriptures, you start to see the story. Jesus is always talking about the poor. Well, Jesus was homeless, first of all, and he hung out with the poor, which is something to understand. 
He wasn't a white Caucasian male like our movies who had white robes. Those white robes would not have stayed clean in the Middle East. He was a Middle Eastern man, just like everybody else. The scriptures tell us you wouldn't really even recognize him, just a normal-looking guy. But there's something about him that was different. And so when he's out here with these normal, regular, everyday people, the poor have something against them that we don't really understand in our culture. Poverty isn't just about resources. And being poor isn't just about resources. It's the inability to make choices for your life and for your family. For him, he's saying something huge to a population that's completely pushed underneath the carpet of society. They were refuge. They were seen as a stain. And these people had no choices in their life. None. And Jesus comes out and he says this to the synagogue of people who are probably doing okay. Guess what? I've come to take care of people and I'm going to give a voice to people who feel like they have no voice. I'm going to give a voice to the lowest of the low in your society. I rise up and say I'm here for them. So if you feel today like you don't fit in anywhere or that you are the downtrodden or you are the outcast or you are the broken... Jesus is like, I came for you. I came for you. It's encouraging. Because in the society that they're in, the highly religious, the pompous, the ones who are sitting up on the thrones and had all the very nice cars of their time, maybe nice camels, who knows, right? The very nice garbs and had everything, and they used all this for themselves and for to look good. Jesus in his teaching starts to say, that's wrong. All your resources are supposed to be for people. And I've come for the people who believe they don't have a voice. And then we read on. He gives them hope. The poor at this time now have a hope. What hope do you have if you feel you're the outcasts of society? What hope do you have in a future? We have under-resourced people in our community, in our state, in our world. Ask them what hope they have. Ask a youth who grows up in poverty, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? I've had many opportunities to spend time with underprivileged youth. And they're like, I don't know. I'm not going to college. Like, why don't you? You're a, an A student. I don't have money. I can't make it. And you say, well, wait, there's scholarships. There's a way to do things. We can get you. My parents aren't going to support that. There's just no hope. They don't see that there's a way or an opportunity out because hopelessness breeds hopelessness. And so there's this cycle that starts to happen of like, what hope do I have? And here Jesus gives something that goes beyond financial or beyond resources. He gives them hope and gives them a status in society. Now, this Jesus who came as a babe to save the world came to give hope to those who don't feel like they have any hope. And then he goes to say this. I, he's coming to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recover sight for the blind. When Jesus came, he performed miracles. He's healing in all different ways. And in our life as humans, we see healing. We see getting better, healthy as a physical thing. But Jesus once again flips the entire concept and says, I'm for this. I'm here to give you healing, and I'm here to free prisoners in ways you can't even imagine. Those people of that time had statuses that were broken by him. If you are someone who has been or 
are currently struggling with addictions, he came to set you free. If you're someone who has locked into pain of your past, something that you can't get past, someone broke you, hurt you in a way that you feel that can never be healed, he has come to set you free. If you feel like you're a prisoner of anything that you can't get out of, Jesus Christ has come to set you free. And I've heard this a lot of times, like, oh, that's a very nice speech, Pastor Jason. That sounds great. And you go home and you're like, it's impossible. I know because I've heard the speech and I went home and I thought, that's impossible. You don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand what it's like to be in my family or my situation. You don't understand to have the kids that I've got. You don't understand to come from the past I came from. And I don't. I, I can't say that I understand your story. But what I'm telling you is that this son of God that we're about to explore and celebrate in a couple of days came and said, I've come to set you free. And the way that you are set free, and this is the hardest thing, and this is why we walk away from sermons like this. We're like, ah, I'm really motivated, but I don't get it. It's because it costs you everything. To be set free, as Jesus is talking about as a prisoner, you have to be willing to take the chains off and walk away from it. And Paul talks about it. We have to be able to set down our old life to pick up a new one. You have to set down your old ambitions to pick up Jesus's. You have to set down your own hopes to pick up Christ's. It's a completely different world. And when we try to play both worlds at the same time, I want to be a little bit selfish, a little bit self-seeking, but kind of generous. I want to play with an addiction, but I really want to be free of it. Jesus, why don't you free me? You have to lay down the old because he's offered you something brand new. When he says we can be free, he is making a statement that is mind-blowing. Because when you are a prisoner and you are sitting in a cell, and if you've ever been in a cell or have been a prisoner, you understand what's being said right now. You will do anything to get out. Because when you are trapped, you have no hope, you have no choices. You are just a prisoner. And Jesus says, I am the one who is coming, the great Messiah. I'm here for people who feel like they're downtrodden. I'm here for the ones who feel like they have no hope. And I'm going to give you healing that is going to make you see. Now, the blind to being able to see. Jesus literally did it, which I think is pretty cool. If you read his stories in the, in the scriptures, he, does, he heals blind people. One message, if you haven't heard it before, he spits in the ground scoops it up and puts mud on the eyes the person can see. I don't suggest trying that. Only Jesus can do that, and otherwise you'd probably get sued. This is Jesus. He heals blind physically, but he is talking spiritually. There is a difference when Jesus comes between the world and life he offers and the thing that we think is important. In our lives, we are blind to the way of God, and then God does something amazing. He opens our eyes to see there's something greater. God has something better. But he's saying, I'm going to open your eyes physically, and now I'm going to open your eyes to understand the way of God. Because the way of God does not make sense to the rest of the world. We've talked about that many times in our first series. 
The way of God seems countercultural to the rest of the world. The way of God says, I forgive when I should hate. The way of God says, I'm generous when I don't have much. The way of God says, I love to those who don't love me and they're my enemy. The way of God flips all of our life upside down and it doesn't make sense. And the only way that we can understand and engage this type of living is if we open our eyes. But we can't do it ourselves. Jesus said, I've opened the eyes of the blind so that they can see. The poor, the downtrodden, the voiceless will have a purpose and a voice. Those who are prisoners, you can release your shackles and you are now free. This small message brings more hope in four sentences than I could even dream of. But then he goes on to something that is completely foreign to me. And I had to research this because it goes on in the passage here to talk about the year of the Lord's favor. The year of the Lord's favor is this idea that there's a year of jubilee in the Jewish culture, the year of jubilee. The year of jubilee, uh, we learn about it in Leviticus, Leviticus 25, verses 12 through 18, which will be up here on the screens. Leviticus 25, 12 through 18. If you haven't read Leviticus, it's in the Old Testament. Flip towards the front that way if you're using your Bibles. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, the Numbers. 25, 12 to 18. This is the year of Jubilee. Count off seven Sabbath years. Seven times seven years. So that'd be 49. So that on the seventh Sabbath years amount to a period of 49 years. Then have the trumpets sounded everywhere on the 10th day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement, sound the trumpet throughout your land. Consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. You shall, it shall be a jubilee to you, each of you is to return to your family property and to your own clan. The 50th year shall be a jubilee for you. Do not sow and do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the untended vines. For it is a jubilee and is to be holy to you. Eat only what is directly taken from the years, from the fields. 49 years, 50th year. The 49 years, seven times seven, then we have this extra year, or this is called the liberty year. In the liberty year, they have this big feast called the Day of Atonement. They celebrate the fact that God has saved them, that God's taking care of everything because God owns everything. He has a special time to say, we're going to commit this 50th year and we're going to give back everybody. You are freed from your debts. If you are a slave, you are no longer a slave. If you owe, you no longer owe. Now, I don't know what the current debt rate of America is. We're in the trillions somewhere right now. And I don't know what the debt rate of your credit card is, but the average American holds eight dollars to $10,000 of credit on their credit cards. Imagine uh, when you turn 50, all of your debts, everything was wiped out. Your house is paid off. Your credit cards are done. Every, you are free. And if you are in prison, if you are a slave, you are set free. This was a, a time of like renewing and just a refreshing, saying because God has taken care of us, we are going to have this special day. You're in debt to Jesus Christ. I mean, you understand that your life, though you think has been great, hasn't been good enough that your sin, as it is growing over the course of a year, since the age of five, I've sinned a lot. And I owe a lot. I owe a lot. I mean, 
I'm just guessing that our room of people, there's a lot of debt of sin that we owe God. And so Jesus comes and says, I declare the year of Jubilee for all of humanity. This isn't a one-year thing. The year of the Lord is here. You are free. You're free. So Jesus gives hope. He gives voice. He lets us free from our addictions, our issues, all these things that we have, we are able to do. And then he says, from your sins, I forgive all of you. You owe me nothing. The debts are taken care of. You're no longer a slave. Be free. Free. Christmas time is about being free. Jesus came to free us. He freed us in so many ways. And the thought that our God would do this is unbelievable. What kind of love is this? That when you are indebted, you're forgiven. When you're enslaved, you're freed. When you have no voice, you're given one. Who fixed broken people? Who gives us a purpose? Who gives us a right standing with God? Who is this? This is the baby in a manger we're about to celebrate. He did this. All of it. From start to finish, he did it. And as we grow in our faith and our strength, we start to gain courage to say, you know what? I'm really tired of being broken. Christ in your life does not mean that you have opened up the links of that chain to be free. There are some still sitting here who are living here broken, hurt, and like my X-wing fighter, pieces. Jesus is the glue to heal our broken lives. But do you want it? That's the question. When I look at what could be in our life and the life that I sometimes choose, it makes me sad because I always sit there with my broken pieces and I whine, Jesus, why don't you fix this? And the reason why I'm whining, why don't you fix this, is I'm not willing to lay down that which broke it. And over my life, and I know some of you have been on this journey as well, and if you're new to this journey, the more we lay down our ways to pick up his way, life changes for us. We start to get courage to look at things that are dark and hard and scary. We start to go to dark places underneath the waterline of our life. When you see an iceberg, the tip of the iceberg shows only a little bit of what's beneath the water. And we think of our faith walk. If you're an iceberg and you're willing to talk about the top part, the top iceberg, you're not talking about what lies beneath the water. I'm telling you, beneath the waters where Jesus starts putting glue into your life, the dark stuff, the hard stuff, the scary stuff, and starts to create a new person in you. But you're not going to do it on your own. The beauty of what Jesus did and what he said is when he gets finished with this, he's like, I'm going to bring someone who's even greater than I am. He brings the Holy Spirit into the world. So now God is literally with all of us. There is no separation. Because of Christ, God is here. God is indwelling us. And now he gives us the power to make these changes. Because on our own, we are not going to rid ourselves of the prison that we're in. God has to do all the work. I love it. And it scares me to death at the same time. I love it because there's hope. It scares me to death because I don't want to give up my, on myself. I believe I can do it myself. I know I'm not the only one. I can do it myself. 
Every time I've tried to fix something on my own, the glue doesn't stick. Do you ever get that really, really bad glue from the dollar store? It's got two tubes in it, and there's like a quarter of an ounce in each tube, but you paid the dollar for it at the dollar store, and you put it on, and it doesn't really work well. And then you buy that really, really good German glue from the Wisconsin State Fair. I bought that stuff this summer. Like, I didn't know this existed. And I actually got some of my finger, and I had to rub it off with sandpaper. This stuff was insane, man. And this glue holds everything. I'm gluing everything I can together, and this stuff is staying together. I glued my microwave. I glued my refrigerator. I glued my car. I'm gluing everything. This stuff is amazing. That's Jesus' type of glue. Fixes things so that they actually are repaired. But I want you to think about this as we end our time together. So a couple of truths about our lives. Now, just reflect on this and where you are today, perhaps where you are this Christmas season, where you are in your walk with the Lord, in your faith walk, just where you are in general. Think about this. Hurt people hurt people, but helped people help others. When you are hurting, hurt people hurt other people. But those who have been helped say, I want others to be helped as well. Shattered people shatter people, but whole people restore others. If you feel broken and in pieces today, you can't even see or know the way to help restore other people's lives. You see life as a shattered mess, and you're bitter, hurting, you're calloused. Wounded people wound people, but healed people bring healing to others. Isn't that true? If you ever had someone speak into your life during a hard time, they'll often say, hey, I've been through what you've gone through. Let me walk with you through this. But if they haven't been healed by the situation, they make the situation worse. Those are the ones who sit there and grind into the darkness with you, encouraging you to be more wounded. Those who have been healed encourage you to be healed. Broken people or bound people bind others, but freed people free others. Those of you who are in a bondage right now, addiction, brokenness, whatever your story is right now, you don't know how to get to the other side. But those who have been on the other side say, I now have a cause to help other people because there's better. And finally, broken people break people, but rebuilt people build others. When you are broken, you are in turn breaking others. The sin is concluded on. But when you have been rebuilt, you dream of saying, what does it look like for me to help others rebuild their lives? My X-wing fighter, I held in my hands, and my dad fixed it. And in my five-year-old mind, it was as good as new to me. I still see the crack. I still remember the story. I see the scar. But it's still, after all of these years, the glue has held. And as he glued it together, and I couldn't touch it for like 10, 15 minutes, 
He said, okay, it's healed. You can play with it. I put my Luke Skywalker X-Wing pilot figure right back into that X-Wing. And I flew that thing all around the living room, the kitchen, maybe went to the bathroom this time. And I was so excited, just like when I opened it, that my X-Wing could be played with again. That's what healing does. Jesus is offering you an opportunity when he comes at Christmas time to free you, to give you a voice, to give you hope, to give you a purpose, and to heal and fix that which is broken. Jesus is the glue that fixes our broken lives. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we would love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.